Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. We are a bunch, or at least three, mega fans bringing you the latest news discussion and a bunch of opinions on Brandon Sanderson and the Cosmere. We are back once again with a Secret Project episode, but before we go into that, I am Argent. They call me Evgeny in some places, and we have Jay of Wu with us Jay on this episode. Uh, yeah, my name is Joshua. Um, Jay of Wu. I, I, I like that one. That's a good one. It's probably my favorite pronunciation of the username. Uh, Mispronunciation. Probably, probably most people call me Jafwa. Jafwu? Jafwu. Jafwu. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are one of the few people who are wrong about your, your username <laughs> pronunciation. That's okay. And we also have Danielle. Hi. Yes. Also known as Fell Candy, which is not hard to pronounce. No. Maybe, maybe you should come up with a new username that we can have fights about during the intro. Fail can't. Uh, fail. Flu, 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 flu can't die. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, because I don't know how to do intro properly, already introduced myself. So uh, uh, today we are talking about the third of Brandon's secret projects. Uh, we are going to be spoiling the heck out of that novel. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the words of Brandon that came out of the respective stream uh, for this story. And uh, we'll probably also bring up a couple of things from previous Secret Projects, notably Secret Project 1. We will not be talking anything about Secret Project 4. Uh, so this is our spoiler policy for the episode. Obviously, uh, this is Shardcast. We're going to be talking about all things Cosmere. So if you're not caught up on uh, on everything else, I'm sorry. Put this in your watch later and come back in three years when you're fully caught up with the 17 billion books that Brandon has written in that time. <laughs> uh, and then you can watch this. But we'll take like three seconds for you to pause the video and leave if you need to leave. And... And we're going into the episode. Okay, cool. Uh, Secret Project 3, Yumi and the Nightmare Painter uh, is an extremely evocative name to me. I know, and, and Trust of the Emerald Sea also has a certain, a certain vibe, but Yumi and the Night pa Nightmare Painter just gave me, from the title, quote-unquote, screen, I was like, wow, what is this? Uh, but before we, we jump into analyzing the title and, and everything in the book, uh, we do have a couple of very small news points that came out of the stream that we should get out of the way. First one, we have the artist for this, for this book. Um, if you missed Brandon's announcement or our commentary on it, each one of the secret projects is, instead of uh, Isaac Stewart, the... Uh, former art director of Dragonsteel and now VP of creative development or something like that. Uh, instead of him directing all of the art in each one of the books, uh, now he is essentially handing uh, each book to a different artist and saying, do with it what you will. And obviously he's going to help and consult and do things like that. But uh, first one was Howard Lyon. Second one was second one Steve Argyle. I think so. I think so. Uh, and third one is an artist that we haven't seen uh, in the Dragonsteel sphere of influence, and that is Aaliyah Chen. She is... She, she has art in, in all sorts of places. Um, I heard somewhere she was one of the people who worked on Arcane, which has gotten people really excited. And if you go take a look at her art, which... If we were prepared, we would have had like, well, we'll try to put a link either in a comment or in the description. Uh, but if you look her up, her her art style seems like a, a very, yeah. very good fit. For it's very cinematic. Story. And I think she works for Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. As like a creative kind of consultant or something. She posted after after this announcement, she posted on Instagram a picture, a sketch of Hoyd that she did. Um, that was really fun. So. Check it out. 
very, very excited to see what she does with the book. Uh, and fortunately, gets a little bit more freedom than other, other artists in the other books, because for Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, unlike the other secret projects, uh, we are getting three colors in the book in addition to the normal white, uh, the normal white and black. So instead of, you know, just an accent, so like Secret Project 1 might be like blue tinted or whatever. Uh, for, for Yumi, we're going to have a blue uh, kind of a magenta, which is very fitting for, for, for the world, as we're going to see. And we're also going to have uh, gold, I believe. Uh, I, I think it's so. I think it's two accent colors in the book. The gold was the um, the foil. Oh, the, the, the cover. Foil. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but being able to play with so, with blue and magenta. Yeah. For this book, which, especially if you know, then you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm excited. We'll we'll make the illustrations fantastic. Uh, which concludes the the news roundup. Anything else we want to talk about before we go into into the book? No, let's no. Do it. Great. So uh, we have a summary written down for you. Yes. And before we jump into that, I just want to say that to circle back to the to the title from earlier, I had the wrong idea about what a nightmare painter is when I read the title. <laughs> So uh, obviously, or maybe not obviously, there are two ways to interpret that phrase, right? One of them is somebody who paints, paints nightmares. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a painter who is a nightmare. And I definitely defaulted to the second one, which created like a different an image. Or something. It's a book, uh, about, not... a book about Yumi having uh, nightmares with uh, painters in them. <laughs> I'm essentially right. Um, so I didn't, I didn't think antagonist. I thought Brandon would go in a direction of building a world full of nightmares in some capacity, and but but those nightmares would have like a normal society, so to speak, and then we would follow one of them who happens to be a painter. I um, see. Which not not quite, not exactly. I mean, could be a nightmare. <laughs> for her it's mm. mm. a fun thing with a lot of these titles is i think that they are um i understand people not wanting to know what they are but it is kind of they're they're so uh, creative like I, I you just don't know what to make of them it's i like that yeah uh but with this out of the way phil let's let's talk summary what sure. happens in the first what is it like eight chapters of me and the nightmare painter i believe it was seven that's how many I have anyways. <laughs> uh, so in chapter one, uh, in the city of Kilohito, Nikoro, or painter as he prefers to be known, is walking along the Shroud of Darkness at the edge of town. And he's patrolling for nightmares as a loner. And even when two other painters, Akane and Tojin, have invited him to walk with them. Uh, then in chapter two, we go to another land, Torio, the chosen Yokihijo, girl of commanding spirits, Yumi, performs ritual bathing and preparations for her prayers. And she asks her warden Nimi, Liyun, if she could attend the upcoming festival. However, she's persuaded that she doesn't want to embarrass her station by being ungrateful. Back in chapter three, we are in the metropolis of Kilohito again. Painter continues his rounds. He's passing these large murals done by practicing painters. And he catches a sight of uh, signs of a nightmare that had passed his own practice mural, which was a painting of some distant planet that he had been covering up in white paint. As he follows the shadows, he finally finds it dripping black liquid and trying to enter a house. He starts to paint some bamboo and it starts to shape shift into kind of a mimicry of his art. And once he finishes his painting, the nightmare turned bamboo is, evaporates. Chapter four, at the place of ritual in Torio, Yumi performs her art, a balancing rock sculpture in a 
particularly hot, stony field. And as she stacks these rocks in a deliberate mathematical pattern, her act of creation summons 37 spirits, or hijo, to rise around her. At the end of many, many hours of labor, Yumi convinces the hijo to become needed or necessary objects for the townspeople, such as lights or floating devices. And at the end of her ritual, she collapses exhausted. Chapter five, we go back to Painter. He's being criticized by the foreman for always painting bamboo, but as he says, bamboo works. He collects his pay and he continues to the Noodle Pupil a restaurant um, and where he's being watched by someone we know as Wit or Hoyd in disguise. And he orders his usual food, his noodles, from a human-looking design. As he leaves, he spots the telltale sign of another nightmare that's passing by. In chapter six, Yumi wakes up. She's feeling very guilty about these conflicting emotions that she had after her ritual. Uh, Leon, her warden, chides her for not always reaching her potential and for pretending to be less skilled than she was the other times that she's done the ritual. And after this, what I would consider verbal abuse, Yumi thinks about running away and she hears a spirit in her voice or in her head and uh, she's she agrees to help this spirit uh, become free, whatever that means, and all goes black for her. Then in the last chapter, chapter seven, uh, Painter finds the nightmare that he was following. It's almost fully formed. It's feasting on the fear of a young boy in his home. He starts to paint bamboo, but he finds he needs to switch to something more similar to what the nightmare could have been. And as he finishes his painting, which happens to be the child's mom, the nightmare starts to flee. And he heads out to the offices to report the incident to his foreman when he's suddenly hit with overwhelming tiredness and he blacks out. When he wakes up, he feels heat. He sees a bright orange light all around him. He looks up and sees his reflection as who we know as Yumi. And then he screams. End of part one. Uh, one or, or two very small things I want to either double check or correct. Uh, Yumi, not Yumi, Painter actually does make his way back to his apartment. He thinks about going to the foreman, mm -hmm. uh, but actually collapses right. in his apartment. And two, was it a reflection that he sees or does he see beside him lay a young woman You'd recognize her as you. So uh, I read that as as like they're two separate. Oh, see, I pictured it as he turned around and he sees Yumi looking back at him and they both scream at the same time <laughs> because <laughs> the reflection. <laughs> so when he screams, it's Yumi's face screaming. Ah, interesting. Okay. Hm. But I don't know if that's how it actually is. In um, the inspirations that Brandon talks about after these the, the text he he says that to give a mild spoiler for the next few chapters of Yumi um, it says that painter is like everybody is going to see painter as see, see painter as Yumi so they think that he is Yumi um, and then we're actually going to see them switch worlds and we're going to see the opposite happen in painter's world and so they are I th they're painter and well so I'm trying to make this clear I guess Painter and Yumi are like two separate entities still. Like she's an incorporeal. He says that she has gone incorporeal. So mm -hmm. I think they're going to be able to interact with each other, but then we'll see them switch places when they go to the other world, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of the, the premise for the book, I guess. And notably, uh, I, I don't remember if that was in the inspirations or in the stream or, well, I guess it couldn't have been anywhere else. But I think Brandon said that it's not a, it's not a body swap situation. Uh, because there's some some yucky stuff uh, with actual body slop of young adults, uh, or there could be. <laughs> uh, so it's um, it, it's purely a, a perception thing, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, he's saying that painter will perceive himself as being painter, but everybody else sees him and sees Yumi instead. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and presumably that's that's part of the reason why he sees Yumi as Yumi incorporeal next mm. to him. I think that is a good recipe for some hijinks. <laughs> yeah. Insane, insane hijinks. Um, would be interesting to see if uh, if the incorporeal one of them on, on their respective worlds will be able to affect the world in any capacity. Mm. Because uh, then you're you're kind of throwing into a, a funny ghost story into the mix as well. <laughs> It'll be really uh, interesting, I think, to see Yumi guiding Painter because they're complete opposites in in my estimation of them. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of he 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 doesn't do his best. He does whatever gets by. You know, he paints yeah. bamboo because that's easiest to paint and yumi is here like working on these sculptures for hours and hours until her fingers are bleeding and and then she feels bad about it because like (laughs) she feels guilty for not doing her best every time (laughs) there's some interesting like um comparisons between the two i think um they have some similarities and some differences so like that's their work ethic is like vastly different i think that it's interesting how they both like um i guess worry about judgment from other people mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that painter is worried about judgment it's he he rides that line that in my experience many young men do uh <laughs> where you are trying to look cool but you are not and and there is this this well of insecurity that craves attention and approval mm-hmm. but of course you're not gonna say that you want attention and approval right mm-hmm. i think they go into that when he's at the noodle pupil and design surprisingly had some good introspection about that she did actually yeah i do i do love and maybe this belongs to a later section more appropriately but i think it's it's a fine place to bring it up i do love the the way the narrator the way Hoyd every now and then makes just just the tiniest jabs at at painter with things like oh but he didn't end up doing the thing that was good for him mm-hmm. and things like that. He, he's, he does seem a lot more sympathetic to yumi which which i understand like given her the, the circumstances that she's in but let's let's i mean let's talk more about hoyd i think because that's kind of the the first similarity with secret project one that we've seen right is we get another hoyd narrated book mm-hmm. yep uh, sure, yeah, let's do that. Obviously, this is... Hoyt is telling us another story. Um, the tone and the voice of this story is a bit different from from what we hear back in, in Tress, right? To me, it is it is clear that this is still Hoyt. Like, having having read the excerpts of of Tress and, and having known that this is Hoyt, going into this... Page one was just immediate. Yep, this is I recognize Hoy. Mm-hmm. Right, I I was kind of maybe not expecting it, but wondering if that would be the case. And and the confirmation was near instantaneous. This being said, it is not the same voice. Right, uh, Tress is much closer to a, a like a modern fairy tale. Uh, obviously, Princess Bride is is the big name that gets cited there and so hoyd's voice is a lot more it's a lot more whimsical it's a lot more it has a lot more interjections and commentaries as the story goes along uh he comments on on things that are happening a lot more in here he still does that a bit but the way i'm reading it is in the first one he's telling a fairy tale and in this one he is telling a story to someone else and so so in the first one he adopts a different voice a more fairy tale like voice and in this one he is closer to his more natural voice and commentary and things like that in other brandon books uh any any other brandon like any book that is not narrated by hoyd that is not like you are not going to mistake you know edge dancer for something that is being narrated by Hoyt. It is just not his voice at all, right? Well, in this one, we have him in 
parentheses saying things like, what would you expect of a renowned interdimensional storyteller? And um, so it seems a lot more casual in the setting that he's telling this, whereas in Secret Project 1, it sounds more like a campfire story or something, like he's just telling a story around uh, to a group of people. And this one seems like the people that he's talking to know him, know him and he's telling them the story for some kind of a reason. I do think it's really fun that Brandon has written Hoyd so well that we can identify his voice even when he's got like different tones to it. Mm. Oh, that's that's really fun. Um, and it's also, I think, worth mentioning that Brandon said he's exploring with these different voices of Hoyd so that he can ultimately write. He can find the right voice for Dragonsteel, which is mm. exciting to see. So one thing that came up in the stream a lot was that the events in the story are, we can consider them to be canonical, that um, Hoyd might... Um, embellish a small thing here or there um obviously his like commentary on the side is coming from him as the storyteller but the events of the story are something that we can assume are are true and accurate um there was a lot of people that were asking about that so so it's like non-fiction fiction, fiction. <laughs> in his world yeah in, yeah, yeah. Yes. in the cosmere yeah. he's, he's retelling something that actually happened um that he observed in some capacity and, uh, based on the real <laughs> life story <laughs> and on this note there is a word of brandon from the stream where sleepy people uh asks brandon about hoyd's ability to convey these events and how accurate that is and how is he observing these things um how much can we believe him in this uh and brandon's answer is essentially it's a combination of things uh one he was there for some of them Two, he does a lot of research to get the details right. And and kind of three, artistic license. But what is what is important here is that he also has so so Brandon says, has a supernatural ability to retain stories and get close to the actual soul of the story. And then he tells us that we can view these things as uh canon, except for some places where he obviously fudges a bit. Which I don't know what that means, but it doesn't seem like to be a part of these chapters, so we don't need to worry about that. So, for example, when he's talking about Yumi's side of the story, but he's actually stuck in the noodle pupil, he's kind of going back maybe like like a journalist and asking people and trying to figure out what her story was and then is retelling what he's gathered from there. Essentially, yeah. Um, and there's the supernatural element, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We have brought up the idea that maybe he uses connection to connect to some yep. spiritual ideal of something in the past, whether it is of the story itself, if that exists there, or just connect with the people themselves and just mm -hmm. kind of absorb information about their lives from their spirit webs or something like that. Or whether it is some fortune shenanigans where he can like uh just know the right thing to say so uh an interesting little tidbit to it would to be keep fascinating it would be fascinating to see hoyd do that in a story like pull like pull a story out of out of somebody or something i would i don't know it'd be cool to see but yeah it, it does to me read like he has magical means of like knowing what he's needs to know plus a little bit of probably uh, just basic journalism um I liked his answer. Yeah, Rashara asked a similar question, and I liked his answer. He said that he, it, the stories are as accurate as 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 super superhumanly possible. So, uh, let's move on to inspirations. Then we we already mentioned uh, some, or I guess we we mentioned about how the plot was going to go from the inspiration section. Uh, but some of the actual things that uh, were cited during the stream and during Brandon's commentary were Kikaru Nogo. I did not say I, I I know I didn't say that right. But I don't know how to say it right. So I'm sorry. But it's it's a manga that, that Peter edited because Peter has uh manga background from from before Brandon. And we and we kind of hit on this one a little bit like with so in the, when he was talking about what's going to happen in the next couple of chapters with um Yumi and, and Painter interacting with each other um, I guess part of the premise of that is that she's going to have to presumably teach him how to do her thing. And then mm -hmm. in his world, he'll have to teach her how to do his thing. Um, and so I, yeah. the premise of of the manga is that there's um, 
a young man finds a possessed go board. So there's some old go master who is, I guess, possessing this, this board game and a uh, young man finds it and has to, the ghost trains him to become a great player at yep. the game. So um, I guess we'll see Yumi teaching painter how to stack rocks and uh, he'll have to teach her how to draw, how to paint. How to fight nightmares. How to fight really. nightmares. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is even more. It's a lone warrior. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a solitary uh, wonder. <laughs> solitary. Yeah. Will he be able to do the job if he's not solid? If he's not, uh, yeah, no. Now, now it's two of them. That's They're maybe, really maybe he's gonna vibe. have to like go hide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he you mentioned think? that uh, part of it was. Um, so he mentioned that part of it was he wanting to like I guess let them experience each other's lives. So it, instead of a typical like body swap story where you where you are. Live, you are living their life themselves. Like he wants them to kind of be there for each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're not just switching bodies and in, in two separate worlds apart from each other, having to kind of figure out this other person's life, but they're there to kind of walk, walk alongside one another in that other person's life. Mm. And I imagine part of the story is going to be not only them figuring out and like learning how to live the other person's life, but also them like interacting in the context of this body swap and like teaching each other things. Um, so like Painter might end up teaching Yumi about relaxing. <laughs> um, and, and, Not Yumi so hard. <laughs> and, and Yumi and Yumi on the other hand might teach him, you know, how to not be a lazy bum and actually care about the things that he does. Right. I'm also really interested in the clash of their cultures because in Kilohito, these nightmares, or I guess we could consider them to be similar to spirits, maybe, um, are hostile. And in Yumi's world in Torio, um, they're they're revered and honored, and uh, so that's going to be a huge culture shock for the both of them, I think. Yeah, uh, Yumi's culture takes their their religion very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he'll have to figure that out if he doesn't want to offend everybody. And Kilhito seems a lot more secular, I think. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we have a single mention of of religion in there so far. Ritual or anything. It's just yeah. you know everybody has their job, and um, it's kind of a big city where everybody kind of pulls their own weight. Well, that, that, um, actually, that makes me think of this other. Uh, so another inspiration here is uh, that Brandon mentioned was another um, story called Your Name, which is a um, an anime. Um, I do not remember the Japanese name. Sorry, um, I, I've seen it mentioned a lot of times, but I don't know what it is. Uh, your so Your Name, which is um, it's another it's an anime uh, with a, a young man, young woman who have like a body swap thing going on. Um, I actually watched it uh, after learning about it from this, um, and it was fun. I recommend it. It was cool. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's it's a bit more of a uh, it's a romance story, um, but the boy is so one interesting I guess parallel is that the boy lives in Tokyo, the girl lives in like a small village. Hmm. Um, so a little bit reminiscent of uh, Painter and Yumi there. Yeah, very very reminiscent. Really, just throw the village on a different planet. Easy. <laughs> um, and surround was... Tokyo by the shroud and nightmares. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was a third inspiration that I got on chapter two <laughs> of reading this. I remember I wasn't even done with the reading and I had to go and tell everybody, oh my gosh, Yumi is Yuna from Final Fantasy X, <laughs> or at least similar um, yeah. in her upbringing. Um, and I 100% picture this like i picture yumi as looking like yuna <laughs> um so in final fantasy 10 yuna is a summoner who's kind of a religious figure who puts um lost souls to rest basically and i think that that is a very good parallel with yumi's kind of storyline i i can i can see some parallels yeah yeah and and the last thing obviously comes from our own world, uh, and that's just Korea and, and Japan. Um, there are obvious elements of these things. Uh, if, even if you're not familiar with those cultures, 
you 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 probably get a, a feel that uh, that this is where the story is coming from. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that ends our inspiration section, which I don't want to spend too much time on because there are more exciting things to talk about, such as the characters of this story. Painter. Nicaro, our our young edgelord, <laughs> master of solitude. What are we? How are we feeling about him? Yeah, so I, wow. um, I did. I don't really like him very much um, when it starts <laughs> off. I, I can understand why people do, but the the edginess is a bit too much for me. Um, he, I don't, I don't dislike him, but it's like. It's that kind of character is like a little more irritating to me. Um, I was really thankful that we got to chapter seven and got to see him like fight off the 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 one nightmare um, and kind of show a little bit of courage and like show that he's not just like a, a total uh, bum. It's it's good to see like there's like a hero inside of him. Um, and so um, I'm glad that we got that far because that made me like him a little bit more than I did before that moment. Phil, how I about you? I didn't really connect with him as much as Yumi, but um, I did understand how he felt in certain situations. Because as an artist, I get art block (laughs) all the time. And I feel like what he's going through is very similar to art block. Like he doesn't have any inspiration. He just paints Mm. bamboo because it works and it's easy. He can just paint it in a couple of strokes. And um, I completely sympathize with that. The edginess of the character the loner aspect i don't quite get as much but i know people who are like that and i can understand at least where he's coming from in that in that respect (laughs) yeah and i think like a lot of people probably see that and like identify with it and they're like oh like i really like connect with this character and this is Mm -hmm. great and other people probably also connect with it and think oh gosh i don't want to acknowledge (laughs) um yeah so but the thing is he's, he's not He's not actually a loner. I mean, he's a loner by choice, but he's not like ostracized. People are not mean to him in, that we've seen. Um, he does mention something about when he was in school. I guess people treated him differently, or maybe he thought people were treating him differently. But um, now we actually see him interacting with people, and they're inviting him to patrol with them or to have, eat noodles with them. And he's like, "No, I'm a loner." <laughs> I love design's insistence on like, let me just go talk to them. And he's like, I'm out of here. It's, it's, it's definitely a self-selected thing, right? Mm -hmm. He, he has, he has this image in his head of the lone warrior, right? And, and a key component of the lone warrior is the loneliness. And so uh, he just kind of stands away from other people and then does his own thing. Even, even if he doesn't like it, he likes the idea, Mm -hmm. right? I love, I love, uh, Hoyd describes him. He says, Hoyd says he alternated between comfortable self-delusion and pointless self-pity. And, uh, so I, I definitely like sympathize with him. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's in a, like a tough part of life and, um, he's just trying to like figure it out and he, um, is kind of stuck in this rut. So yeah, um, yeah I, I feel bad for him. I hope he, maybe Yumi will, uh, help him get out of that or learn something. Be a positive influence. Yeah, I do hope that as the book progresses, we don't fall back too much on like early chapters painter and and see a little bit more of like chapter six painter or chapter seven or whatever it was. Right. Mm -hmm. So the the more. Not necessarily heroic, but more proactive figure that we see there, Uh, somebody who doesn't wallow in in self-pity all most of the time right well, and, and to his credit out and does things to his credit like he does like realize to some extent that like there's an like he I, I enjoyed his um discussion with design and like going to her and asking her like do i do i matter so like you could tell that he's like thinking about um he's not completely caught up in this self-delusion all the time of uh, caught up in this idea that he's this literal like lone warrior that mm-hmm. doesn't need anybody like he, he there's a sense inside of him that like um there's something to work on. So, well, yeah, when he leaves the noodle pupil and he's in the rain and he is before he sees the new nightmare, he's, he's even thinking about it. He's like, I'm not actually like this, but yeah. 
I love that Brandon made that scene happen in the rain just to add to the <laughs> perfect. It was so perfect. <laughs> if if we had if we had gotten him instead of sitting on the bar, just take a take a, a table by the window and just watch <laughs> as the rain fall out. Just and and like the the blue and the magenta electric lights of the Heon out. Just perfect ambiance mm-hmm. for for, uh, for for brooding. Yeah. <laughs> angst. But let's let's leave the dark, dark, oppressive world of Painter and and his city and talk about Yumi. Fel, why don't you why don't you talk to us about this this lovely, lovely, <laughs> at least so, verbally abused girl? Yeah, um, I mean, talk about if you pardon the pun, night and day <laughs> with Painter. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the total opposite end of the spectrum. She's overly obsessed with her, I don't want to say career, like, <laughs> but her calling. Calling. And um, she wants to go and see other people and dress in plain clothes at the festival. And she, and then she's guilty about it and like complete opposite of painter. And I, like I said before, I really identify with you, me because, um, I always have to have like a hundred percent and have to do everything perfectly. And if I don't, I'm a failure kind of thing. So um, I really like Yumi as a character. And I think that her interaction with painter is going to be quite interesting. (laughs) Well, I hope the story goes in a direction where you as much as painter can learn some things about things (laughs) because otherwise it's concern. Yes it's it's so hard for me not to like just love her if only because of like watch seeing how she's treated and like seeing these like circumstances that she's lived in um yeah i I don't know i i just i come i come out of these chapters feeling really really sympathetic for her um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh chances are this is the only life she's ever known Mm -hmm. uh leon is not it, obviously she's not a friend but she's not even friendly to her right mm-hmm. she's not um i think the the uh her role is supposed to be something between like a guardian and a sponsor is the way Hoyt tells it and i i see the the sponsor part maybe but <laughs> but really really warden is a much more appropriate mm-hmm. word choice right uh and i i from the moment she walked onto the page, I didn't like her very much. But the moment I just hated her was um, in the scene after Yumi had had collapsed, and she wakes up, and it's the middle of the night, and she sees Leon, uh, uh, I, I guess, outside of her um, wagon, and the, the way the conversation goes is like, "Hey, I." I summoned 37 spirits, all right? On a good day, other Yoki Hijo can summon, like, six. That was, that was good, right? Can you, can you say good job? And, and Leon's like, well, you better do it again. And, and like, I can, I can imagine a world where there's, like, a kernel of affection in Leon and and what she's saying is look you great job you, you did amazing but also now that next village really will feel crappy if you don't do the same thing for them so like maybe like maybe build up to to doing amazing th- but like none of this comes from the text like this would be purely a headcanon read Mm -hmm. right so i don't like her well it's not only what you said but first of all leon walked in on yumi and yumi was crying at the time and she's just standing there like a shadow in the doorway and then yumi's apologizing for it and then when you said that she said well the next time you better do the same thing not only did she say that but she said were you holding yourself back yeah. Every other time, yeah. like yeah. she was, like Yumi has no chance. It's like a catch twenty two for her. She can't do well no matter what she does. If she if she does well or not, she's going to get criticized for it. And I 
totally sympathize with her in this. Yep. Oh, the, I think uh, the, the thing that melted my heart the most was when the spirit that speaks with her, like offers her a boon and she, she turns it down feeling yeah. like she doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, man, big, big Rapunzel vibes out of, <laughs> out of Yumi actually. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think that's all we have for her. Uh, obviously not, not main characters, but uh, we would be remiss not to talk about Hoyt and design because of, of not only how significant they are to the Cosmere as a whole, but because they, they do things in this... Well, Hoyt, Hoyt holds coats and bags. She doesn't <laughs> do much. But design is here, and she is uh, she's a light-weaving attached on uh, what I assume is her like manifestation in the physical realm, which is like patterns. Well, yeah pattern right and also there are force projections so that if you if you push on the light weaving it pushes back on you so it feels like flesh which that's a thing you can do with light weaving apparently <laughs> well so I don't, know, I don't know that it's necessarily light weaving though like mm. it could be some other kind of magic he's using but um i mean it, it's important for her obviously because she's like interacting with the physical world like she's like serving up bowls of noodles so she has to be able to pick things up um i mean ultimately i guess it's just a a convenience for brandon to be able to like have her be a character (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i find it really funny because when i picture design's face sometimes i see it in my mind like glitching a little bit like (laughs) like pixelating or something um because it says like she wanted um to be curvy because (laughs) she wanted to kind of distract people from her (laughs) well well what what she says is i want if if the illusion falls apart i want them that much more disturbed by what is underneath (laughs) which is i how can you not love design like yeah she's even 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 without light light waving bazongas I liked her before, but she's definitely next level now on, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, Brandon's humor doesn't always land for me, but design is, is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so deadpan and the delivery is fantastic all the time. And she, and the way she plays off of Hoyd in, in many places, mm-hmm. uh, obviously in the dog and the dragon, we saw them interact directly. Uh, but here just the way her narrative plays off of his kind of background narrations she she turns him into a she turns him into a coat rack um number one with a crown Uh, i love her um her insistence on only giving uh discounts on on prime number intervals because she has standards yeah there's just so many like quirks to her oh it's great and she counts every grain of every seasoning, and that way, that way, her food is the best because it's always the same. <laughs> Fantastic! She, scientifically determined the best way to make a bowl of noodles, and <laughs> and and now she makes it every time yeah. exactly the same way. God, I'm craving noodles now. <laughs> I've I've had this low key craving ever since these these chapters dropped, and now it's just it's time. Get your maypon sticks. <laughs> uh, talk about that later. <laughs> uh, because we do need to move the episode along because we are like halfway through and it's been an hour. Uh, let's leave. Well, any any other character? We, we touched on on Leon a bit, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe maybe we'll touch on her again with like baseball bats or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, any other characters we want to mention? Uh, I don't think so. So we've got Painter um, has like his like colleagues that we Akane interacted with. And Tojin. Yep. Um, but we haven't really met them much. Yeah. Um, and we have the two servants of of Yumi, but they mm-hmm. just hold Frans around <laughs> mm-hmm. her. They bathe her. Uh yeah. Yeah, very, very important. Uh cool, 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 cool. Let's move on to talking about the story and the plot themselves, right? And and we touched a little bit on that earlier when we talked about how the next few chapters will go along uh, and how the how the body swap will play out. Um, is there anything about the body swap that we didn't touch on that we are interested in? 
it'll be really interesting to see how those other side characters react to like painter being in Yumi's position and Yumi being in painter's position. Um, I think it'll be very difficult for painter particularly because there's so much expectation of Yumi and not only that, but she takes it in stride and he has no idea. So she's going to have to be teaching him on the fly and it'll be uh, an experience for him. And then the characters actually seeing how he's acting. I think that's going to lead to some conflicts. (laughs) They are going to recognize something is off like instantly immediately. Yeah. Even, even if he tries to do his best, which Mm -hmm. Painter, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even, even, yeah. So, spicy, spicy chapters ahead of us. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't think there would be much to talk about. Body swap. So, who put romance in my outline? It wasn't me. Explain yourself, Jay of Wu. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so one thing Brandon was asked about, I, this might have just come up naturally in the live stream. I don't, I don't see a question about it specifically, but um, Brandon said that one, um, I guess, part of the inspiration of writing this book um, and Secret Project One was putting a little bit more romance into the Cosmere, more than he usually writes. And so he, he says that there's a little bit of romance um, in this story. Um, I don't know that it's entirely clear at this point. I mean, we already saw it between like. painter and design. Uh, <laughs> one-sided <probably>. romance <laughs> i don't know if i would call that romance <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i what i guess we'll have to see how that develops more i'm I'm intrigued because i don't really care for brandon's romance usually um i should clarify he doesn't say this is a romance book but but there's i guess romance features prominently in it more so than he typically writes is what he's saying um so I'm, and I'm that applies to, to how... press as well Right, right. And I'm I'm curious to see how well it lands. Um, it's uh, encouraging. One thing we have not mentioned so far, um, Brandon says that this is his favorite of the secret projects, which is really bizarre because Brandon never, like you ask Brandon never has favorite book and he never picks <laughs> a favorite. Um, and so it's really fascinating to hear him um, yeah. make that decision in this case. I, I think like probably five years from now, if you're like, oh, is that still your favorite book? He's going to be like, no, just at the time, like that was the one that was particularly yeah. special. But um, he wrote the he wrote the romance largely for Emily, his wife, and um, this is also her favorite of them. So I'm, I'm curious to see um, if if that's part of Wind, if that really landed well for her. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it, it must have, right, if if that's her fave. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, in- interesting, interesting to see how that's going to play out, because I am also not reading the Cosmere for for the romance. Um, there are cute scenes here and there. Uh, I think there, there's some really nice character stuff between Wax and Steris, for example, that I really like. And, and I don't know if that's a if that's a Brandon thing or just in that Brandon can't write romance very well. Or if I if I'm just not interested in romance in general and so i would be like romance in the cosmere is equally uninteresting to me as you know romance novels themselves well i love romantic subplots in books i love relationships in general not just romantic relationships um and putting two 19 year olds together (laughs) stuck together for a while um is just the perfect like recipe for a cute developing budding romance i think it's very convenient too (laughs) it's like it gives you an excuse to have the the characters in the same place yeah forced proximity i think is what they call it in the romantic genre wish wish that happened to me when i was 19 (laughs) (laughs) just just have a just have a star hit me on the head (laughs) god knows i was just about as edgy anyway So having having wrapped up the the romance, this is all of the romance that ever exists. There's no more romance in the world. Uh, the next thing we should talk about is the actual plot of of the plot, right? What what happens in the book? Um, obviously, we don't know much more beyond just body swap shenanigans and and character development. 
but we do have a couple of a couple of hooks uh, that are going to be sending us into what I assume is going to be Act Two, and one of them is the spirit that speaks to Yumi uh, when she's kind of at at her lowest point, uh, and she hears the voice uh, that she decides comes from the day her the star, the, the sun really, um, although she calls it a day star. Well, it's not a sun, right? It's a, it's a, it's a star, at least as far as she knows. Are we? Are you? Are yeah, but the, the sun is the, the sun is a star. No, no, no. So they have a, they have a sun. The day star yeah, is not the sun. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wow. <laughs> okay, yeah, so sure. Maybe, maybe we need an astronomy lesson. No, um, <laughs> no. So, so they do have a like a large reddish sun. Um, that way describes, but there is a, the day star is a star. It, it's not clear to me, like if it's only up during the day, I guess the, the last chapter it's nighttime and this, the day star is still up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not really clear to me exactly when the star is it's kind of like a blue star in the sky. Did you guys um, read the same chapters as I did? I don't yeah. remember any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there's the day star. That she sees, yeah. When she's when she's talking to the spirit, she sees the star. Assumes does she assume the spirit is is there. speaking from there? Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, it's a it's a distant. The voice is coming very faintly. It must be, it must be from there. Yeah. Anyway, but but so the, the implication is that their worlds are like their worlds see the other world as like a star, right? That's the that's the implication somehow. And the spirit is on Yumi's world, and somehow the spirit is is bonking. Uh, no, sorry, uh, the spirit is on Painter's world, and that's why Yumi sees it as being far away. And uh, 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 that same spirit bonks Painter on the head, and that's the way he. That that's the the one person that he tells Yumi might be able to help her free them and that's i think our big plot for the book the 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 end of act one zinger is all oh, the spirits haven't been free and just enjoying art they've been trapped or imprisoned in some way and they want out or at least the one spirit so what i gathered when i was reading it and i have the quote about the star that it was supposedly coming from it says um it seemed so very tired, and it was distant, barely able to reach her. She looked up to the sparkling sky, and the bright day star, stronger than them all, was the spirit talking to her from there. Um, so what I thought, it, it, this was my initial thought when I read these chapters, the spirit is talking to her from Painter's World on the day star, and it is one of the nightmares, possibly, and they're trapped oh. somehow. And they see that Yumi is doing so well with the 37 summon spirits um, that they plot to kind of pull her over there. But in doing so, Painter kind of got jettisoned to her star or huh. planet. That was what my impression was. Yeah, I, like I have it. no idea, but. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking the nightmares could be either exactly the same spirits as as the hijo that yumi interacts with but you know over there or they could be some twisted corrupted changed or related version of the hijo because um, of the shroud maybe maybe because of the shroud maybe because of something else that caused both the shroud and um and, and this change in mm -hmm. them right the similarities between the Hijo and the nightmares are there. Um, the Hijo can turn into light sources and devices and things. And what Painter does with the nightmares is he turns them into bamboo or he turns them into something that they could be. So uh, that's where my brain is at, connecting the two of them and making some kind of plot from that. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be it. And and the the parallel story I imagine we're gonna have is uh, painter or rather Yumi 
whom other are going to see as, as painter, needs to deal with this stable nightmare uh, that is mm-hmm. almost powerful enough to cause the deaths of uh, hundreds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they said that 30 years ago was the last one and it destroyed a whole city or town. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a little concerned for the family that he like he like saves the family and he's like, oh, I just got to go tell the foreman. No, I think I'll go mm-hmm. to bed. Now, yeah, to like, give them the funds to get through this yeah. ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, and, Yumi's going to figure out about that when she wakes up yeah, yeah. as painter and she's going to be like feeling duty bound to help them. So, oh, gosh, yeah, she is. <laughs> uh, hopefully he's going to tell her. Uh, I mean, he, he will, right? This, yeah, this, yeah, this, that this would be pretty messed up here. if he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Yeah, no. Once unless unless there's like, on. unless there's like memory loss involved, right? That's uh, that's what that's I true. mean. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, this 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 plot. This is probably like the B plot. Uh, I would assume like well, that's what that means in terms of like Brand talking about having to like learn each other's like things is like mm-hmm. she's gonna have to deal with that whole painting nightmares, mm-hmm. and obviously he'll have to learn her stuff to figure out whatever's going on with the spirit. Unless they're unless they're tied together, right? With the spirit, if the spirit is coming from his world, and so then yeah, then it's all, yeah, tangled together. And I just had this idea, like a picture in my mind of Yumi trying to paint and like stick figures, and the nightmare turns into stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to go. An excellent she's she's going to go stack rocks, so the nightmares turn into rocks, and he's going <laughs> to paint stacks of rocks. <laughs> That's the. The, the true magic system of, of these worlds. Magical <laughs> rock stacks. All right. Story wrapped. We, we've talked about the story. There's nothing else in this story that we need to talk about. Uh, end of episode. But no, just kidding. Um, well, partially kidding. So what we are going to do is we are going to cut this episode here. This is going to be a very nice, comfortable, cozy, one-hour-ish episode. And then next time... Uh, we are going to come back and talk about the setting because there are uh, interesting things that need more time uh, than than we have right now. The the nightmares, the shroud, the heon lines, the fact that Painter's World sees another world in the sky. Like they're shooting a a magic rocket up there. That's something we need to talk about. Obviously, we haven't we haven't spent much time talking about the magic itself, with Painter's ability to transform nightmares and Yumi's ability to draw spirits, uh, and somehow we we've gone an entire episode without yeah. mentioning the uh, the new shard <laughs> that we got in this book, virtuosity. So we're gonna talk about that next time as well, and I think all of these things are gonna wrap up pretty nicely into a package where um we we start off nice and easy with setting and magic stuff and then we expand into like cosmere things and we're also going to cover the rest of the wobs from um uh from this story's live stream so any final wrapping thoughts before we we cut this just that I'm excited to uh, see the characters more. I don't know. I love them. I have a feeling this is going to be my favorite of the four. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and you have been excited to talk about to give us an art lecture on this <laughs> stuff. So I don't I I, I don't no. <laughs> feel like we've gotten that so far. So maybe maybe that will also come in in next episode. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, we're not doing who's that cosmic character because we we need to crank this out uh, quickly and we have a lot of episodes so uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up you can find us uh, at 70 shardcom we have news in there we have theories in there we have discussions in there um, sometimes we have fun we try to have fun uh, other places you can find us are Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram now you can follow us there for art and shares uh soundcloud is another place you can listen to this podcast youtube where we are uh trying to to branch off into a little bit more content than just just shardcast 
If you are so inclined, you can support us on Patreon. Our lowest tier is just a dollar. And and that gives you nice things. I think oh iTunes. We we I know there's a thing you can do on iTunes that's not like and subscribe. So you can you can also do that. But that is that is the end of this episode. We'll come back next week with more Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, where we talk about the world and how that world connects to the larger multi-world of the... Multi-world? That's terrible. To the larger Cosmere. Uh, so leave us, leave us a comment. Do the YouTube things. You, you've been on YouTube before. You know how it works. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Go. Cool.